the Lord, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to High Desert Word Center. We are going to have an awesome service together today. We are super excited for everybody to be here. We got more baby dedications going on, so amen. That's always a good sign. The church is uh, being added to, amen. And uh, we're praying for another young lady that's going to the military today, so we're going to uh, rejoice with her and agree uh, for everything to go good there. And also give you some uh, updates on our construction. And so if you're new with us, we don't always have fencing and, uh, and drywall and, 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 and boards exposed. But we experienced a little bit of a flood in August. And uh, we've got some good updates, though, on the progress. So anyway, things are headed in the right direction. Hey, praise God. And we're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America believe and decree that revival is coming to America and this nation will serve Jesus. Amen. So let's speak these words together. Father, we come and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ United States of America. We mercy, justice and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United Jesus name. Give the Lord some praise today. Yeah. God is good. Amen. We always do. Go around and give some handshakes. Yeah. 
about the Dutch brothers feeling like you're leaving out six things or seven. Okay, well, if you are with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, can you wave at me? Just wave at me. I'm so glad to have you with us today. So glad to have you with us today. Nikki is right here in this jean jacket. She is going to bring you some information about the church. And if you would stop by the information booth on your way out, she will give you a gift. So you turn in your, your phone number so we can say thanks for coming and then we give you a gift. Thank you for being with us today. Um, we love the Lord and we're a little crazy, but we're a happy kind of crazy. Right? Happy kind of crazy. Okay, so speaking of crazy things, uh, construction here. So here are the updates. We finally have selected the contractor and made the down payment and are moving ahead. If there's a connection in there, the I got it. I don't like want to touch the door phone at all. Indoor plumbing, flushable. So anyway, nicer now, toilets, but also that you will have bathrooms ready to go before Harvest. That's what I can tell you. So we're working on that. I don't want to touch nothing. Yeah. Updates, you know, audio alert calls. This is when you tear it up. That's the time to do it right. So we are working on some of those things. But the whole goal is to make sure that we're ready for purposes, to love on the people that God has sent right? Okay, so I need Ms. Casey Brownie, Desiree Garcia, and is Summer Crank with us? Summer Crank? Okay, these are some of our Harvest Fest planning team. And yeah, if you went out to the yard sale yesterday, raise your hand. Do you need to go to the yard sale? Okay, all right, now. If you donate to the yard sale, raise your hand. Okay. Uh, so the yard sale went phenomenal, but not only that, some of the Harvest Fest planning is just going exceedingly abundant, above more than I could ask or think, which is pretty big. I've been dreaming, right? So praise the Lord, who's going first?
But in the meantime, we want to bless the people that are coming to the Shark Zone, right? And so we got to see that. Um, and, and God exceedingly went above what we expected to get back. Right? So we were blessed. We were in tears a few times yesterday as a team, just seeing God work. Uh, so we just want to tell you guys, thank you so much um, for participating. Everybody that was there that helped out. You know, we had Hannah and Linda and uh, Mike, he was there. He was cleaning down all the furniture. And, you know, just everybody that put in their time and their effort for this. I mean, we cannot wait to see what God is going to do in our business.
around $1,100 from the, um, the yard sale. So praise Jesus for that. So God is so good. Um, so the budget is $4,000 and we only need $800 more to make that budget. This money goes towards buying prizes and Bibles and giveaway stuff. It goes towards new games. We got a photo booth that will have High Desert Word Center's logo. So when people take their family photos, they get to remember us because we have their, you know, the logo on there. Um, it helps us get the word out. It helps us for printing. Every single candy bag that we give, there will be a, um, a flyer, a flyer that tells the kids about Jesus and has a little salvation prayer on the back. So we give all these kids Jesus, right? So all of this money helps pay for all those things because it's expensive. So $4,000 is our budget. We only need $800 more. Praise the Lord. Um, with that saying going, with that being said, we still have the candy competition going. We need lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of candy. So I was talking to a lady at the yard sale, and she's like, yeah, we went to one of those things once, and the kids got like a small bag of candy. Well, we don't want to give them just a small bag of candy. We want to bless these kids. We want to give them a nice size bag of candy and tell them that Jesus loves them. And we, we want to give them a safe alternative to Halloween. You know, we don't want them out there trick-or-treating. We want to make sure that they get enough candy and enough supplies. So we are planning on doing, packing about um, uh, 1,500 candy bags. So that's a lot of candy, guys. So please pick a side, bring your candy in, um, and bless these kids. We also need hot dogs and lemonade donations. Um, We're going to have a food truck, um, but we want to be able to bless those that can't pay for food. Um, So we want to make sure that we still have free hot dogs and lemonade. So if you're able to do that, go back to the Harvest Fest table over there and sign up for what you can bring. We also need cakes um, for the cakewalk because the cakewalk's back, one of my favorite things to do. But in order to do that, we need cakes. And um, you guys are really creative. There's been so many times where people even put the word on the cakes or they'll put little scripture things on there, you know. So we're just really creative with how we get the word out there. So if you're wanting to bake, um, there's also a sign-up sheet back there at the Harvest Fest table, so sign up for that. And then today is our Carl's Jr. fundraiser. You can go there for lunch. You can go there for dinner. You can go there for lunch and dinner. Um, but you just have to make sure that you have a flyer, okay? So all those flyers are back in the Harvest um, Fest table. Make sure you take that flyer and you present it when you go. And 25% of the proceeds will go towards our budget, okay? Um, we're still selling donuts. We need 25 orders in order to make our one order. Um, so if you guys are able to take a sheet and go take it to work and have people pay up front and bring that sign-up sheet back. We'll bring the donuts here, and then you can take them to whoever ordered from you. Or if you like to place an order, we do need them paid up front because i got to pay up front for the donuts before um, we're able to pick them up. So that will that's another fun donation. Um, and then we have the spaghetti lunch. It's October 9th. So um, this is a fun way for you guys to not have to cook or worry about lunch on a Sunday. It's to go because 
right now with all the construction, we really don't have anywhere to sit you guys to fellowship. I apologize. But I know you love your family and want to have lunch with your family. Or maybe you could pick a family and another family and go have lunch at their house. However that works. Um, but we, we are asking for payments for that up front too so we kind of know how much to pay for and um, we could have it ready and easy for you to pick up and just go after service. So that's all our fun stuff for Harvest Fest. I love you all, and I'm super, super excited. Thank you guys so much. Very good. Praise God. We're excited. Harvest Fest is uh, just the biggest event we do of the whole year. And so we're hoping, uh, you know, a lot of years we've had about 3,000 people show up, and we're believing for that, and even more so this year, so we can bless them with the gospel of Jesus. Amen? All right, Pastor Katie's going to finish up the announcements. We have a really full service today with baby dedications and stuff, so pay attention and stick with us here. Amen. Okay, well, praise the Lord. In conjunction with Harvest Fest, we still have the whole church going like normal, you know. Welcome to family life. It stays busy. Okay, men's meeting this Saturday at 9 a.m. Men. This Saturday, 9 a.m., Victory Hall behind this building. Um, There is Lift Family Picnic at the park. That's going to be October 11th. There was some discussion of doing it in September. It's not going to work. October 11th, you just bring your picnic and you go sit at the park. And it's going to be at H Street, not Fogelson this time. H Street Park, uh, October 11th at 5 p.m. Missions trip. We talked about this last week. We are planning. What I mean by that is go get your passport. That's what I mean by that. Get your papers now. Go get your passport. Get it moving. And take the time off work, okay? So June 15th through the 21st is what our plan is. June 15th through the 21st to go to Honduras with Ron and Annette Thiessen. They have a school there, an orphanage there, and a whole farm and all kinds of things. So we get to go and take our talents there and to bless them with with the skills that the Lord has allowed us to use. So they have anything from doing some sort of building and construction project to, you know, other work and doing things for the kids or crafts or um, doing hair and nails Whatever it is that the Lord has given you a talent and a skill to do, we want you to take that with us to Honduras and share the love of God with those students. So that's our goal for this trip. So June 15th through the 21st, and you're going to get your passport now. Little tip for you, the Yermo post office is never busy for passports. That's where you need to go for your passports. Just saying. Just saying. Okay. Next week. Is it next week? transition service is coming um, and Mrs. Pastor is going to share with us about that service. I will be there, but I don't know about it. (laughs) All right. Well, next week is like an historical service, so you all need to be here. We're having what we're calling a transition service. As you know, uh, this has been going on for a while, but we need to do this in the spiritual realm, officially turning the, the... pastor at the senior pastor positions over to pastor david and pastor katie now pastor and i aren't going anywhere you're not going to notice anything different pastor and i have been promoted to oversight pastors so you have to have a title so that's it man so anyway so be here next sunday morning 10 o'clock service it's going to be really good and then at following the service that morning we're going to have a cake and punch reception amen that pretty good Right, yeah. Next week's going to be a big day, so we just want everybody to be here to celebrate it with us. All right. Well, speaking of celebration, uh, we are going to do a baby dedication now. All right. So 
And even better, I'm related to the baby. So this is good stuff. <laughs> it's one of my 500 nephews. So if we could bring uh, Josh and Julie and the family on up here and uh, Pastor, uh, we're going to do, uh, we're going to dedicate little baby Hosea. He is, uh, he's not even two weeks old yet, is he? He's about 10 days old or something like that. He's a fresh one, but uh, it's an exciting time. And we got Julie's family here from Texas and, and Utah. And so they're going to uh, be joining in and celebrating with us. Amen. All right. If I can have an usher come and move the pulpit for us and uh, we'll do this dedication. Amen. God. <laughs> Boy, this, this this is so awesome. You know, I think about this. Mrs. Pastor and I have, have, have been in the family business for a while. We've got eight we've got eight children spread out all over the country. We've got grandkids everywhere. And this is only off of two sons right here in Barstow. So <laughs> so if if we had if we had all of our kids and grandkids here, we'd fill up one section really easily. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Praise God and uh I, th- I think about Josh and Julie, man, that they bought their kids up a J, and I'm still learning the last two that came so quick, and now we got another one. Yeah, I just enjoyed looking at this. This is just so good. Hey, man, congratulations again. Uh, you guys you guys are old pros at this now. Get this together. Mrs. Pastor and I, it took, it took a while for eight. But anyway, you know, every, everything we do, we want to please Jesus. And... The older we get, the more we realize what a what a calling it is to be a parent and a godly parent. And you know, now that we're now that Mrs. Pastor and I are farther farther along, we're not only oversight pastors, we're oversight grandparents and and everything else. And we 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 love to see the end result when people do it right. I think about our lives that we always wanted to be the right role models and do what's right for our kids, and this is the fruit. And you know, I've I've, I've got I've got. Uh, Extended family members that uh, their kids aren't up here. Some of them's in jail. Some of them aren't even on earth now because they didn't go the right direction. Everything is by plan that, that comes out how it comes out. You know, it's not, not just by chance, but it's by planning how things turn out right. But Psalms 127.3 says, Children are a heritage of the Lord, as fruit of the womb is his reward. And as a pastor for a lot of years, I think about what some people went through just to have a baby because they couldn't. They paid money for all kinds of different things to happen. And then some people just, uh, man, things happened. They think it was an accident. They think it was a chance. But God says it's his plan. It's his reward. He said in the book of Genesis to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. And God, he wants godly seed. But children... Children are a blessing, they're not a curse. And you know, so many people think that children cramp their lifestyle. But I look at us now. You know, look look at a church like this. Because we, we raised up godly children, now we can still be here and just be a part of it, but watch it how it's multiplying because we did right for our kids. 
and they did right. That's how your futures can be when you do it right. And so Psalms 139, verse 16, in the Living Bible says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And I think about this, and sometimes people, you know, because they don't understand the Bible, they don't understand God, they, with everything was planned, how come things are so bad? Well, how many have ever had a plan and you showed, shared the plan with somebody else, they didn't follow your plan. You think, well, how come this house turned out like this? That's not what I had on paper. This is not what we planned. Well, they didn't follow the plan. And so God says, i got a plan for your life. It's a good plan. And the plan is for parents to do what Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child the way he should go, and when he's old, and not depart from it. So when you got schizophrenic parents, that one day in, one day out, you never know how they stand with God, you know, because sometimes they want to go back the other way. The children see that. And when they see that, when they grow up, they magnify the parents' actions. But then you see consistency where you got parents that are serious all the time, not perfect people, but they're serious about God. They're serious about their, about, about their marriage, about their church life. They can't see that stability. Then the kids magnify that. It's whatever they see, that's what you get. And you know, there's an old saying that uh, I... I, I, I can't hear what you're saying because I see what you're doing. I praise God that we're living proof that you live it right, role model right, you can get the right results. And so I think about you, Josh and Julie. You've been up here so many times with the same, the same scenario that uh, you, got, you guys can do it now. But the thing, the thing is, here we have little Hosea Abraham, little Hosea Abraham, with the rest of them. And I, I can tell you, these children are programmed for success. They're programmed to follow Jesus and we'll see God's plan come to pass in their life and we're grateful for that. And so, uh, you know, we know when we're dedicating babies, we're not saying now from this day on forward, they've got eternal life, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna go to heaven because they're in the right family. No, you go to heaven because that, when that point in time comes, that you've got your own conscience talking to you, and you've got a choice to receive Jesus or not, then these children will make the right choice because they're seeing right. And so I want, I want to pray over you guys. And, you know, I, you guys, I, we, we can lead you through a confession, but I don't think you need to do that now because you've already done enough. You know what you're doing. You're on the right road. But I, I want to lay hands on Hosea, Mrs. Pastor, Grandma, Let's lay hands on Hosea. Congregation, would you stand and extend your hands this way? Hosea Abraham. <laughs> you guys ready to pray for me for little brother? Amen. Father, we just want to thank you in the name of Jesus that you told us in your holy written word that babies are a reward, they're not a curse. That babies can be trained up to go right are trained up to go wrong, and we make the right decision to train them up right, you're the one that'll back us up. You're the one by your Holy Spirit will help them and lead them and guide them into what to do. And Lord, you told us in Galatians 3.13, we're redeemed from the curse of the law. And Deuteronomy 28 says all sickness, all disease, poverty, addictions, and all those evil things are a curse. You redeemed us through the blood of Jesus. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you. And Hosea Abraham is never going to know sickness and disease, nor poverty, 
nor addictions, nor mental deficiencies, or any of those things, Lord, that, uh, that, that are not in the Bible. But we just want to thank you that the blessings of God are on his life, that dad and mom and family are always going to set the right example, going to show him what to do, going to show him how to, how to, how to repent. If, if they make mistakes, they're going to be an example of what to do, Lord, not to live in pride, but to live in love. So we release that anointing over Hosea in the name of Jesus. Hosea, you're going to grow up right. You're going to live right. You're going to be blessed. You're never going to know addictions, sickness, disease. You'll quickly receive healing if you need it. And you're always going to be obedient to dad and mom and make them proud and make Jesus proud. And we just want to thank you, Father, that he is a reward as all of his brothers are too. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. I don't know where I'm going to get at. I don't want to drown out Hosea. Thank you, everybody, for joining in that special moment with us. Praise God. All right. Well, um, I said we got a very full service today. Uh, at this time, I want to have Kathy and Rhonda come on up with us. Uh, praise God. Rhonda just graduated high school uh, just a few months ago. Amen. And she is leaving tomorrow for the Navy, and she's going to be training. Amen. All right. Yeah. We're proud. This is... a. Uh, Amen. Yeah. This is two weeks in a row that we've sent uh, one of our young people off to serve in the military. She's going to be flying out to Chicago this week and uh, we'll be doing her training up there in the Great Lakes region. And we just we want to pray for God's hand to be on her life, which we already know that it is. And for her to succeed and fulfill everything the Lord is calling her to do. Amen. So uh, let's say, I know we just sat down and you might, is this the Catholic Church? It's not. It's not. Just stand up for a minute, okay? I know you're up and down, up and down, but we want to pray for her. Amen. And so if you could just release your faith with us this morning, and we're going to believe uh, for God's hand to be on her life. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we lay hands on Rhonda, and we thank you, Lord, that, hey, it's been a big year. She's graduated high school and, and done all sorts of great stuff, but now she's moving into that next phase of her life, and Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that she is safe and protected everywhere she goes, Lord, from, from basic training right now all the way to anywhere she may end up in the world serving this nation and serving you, Lord, and I thank you that you said in Psalm 33, that, or Psalm 37, that the steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered by the Lord. And so her steps are directed and ordered by you everywhere that she goes. And we thank you, Jesus, that she's serving you and that you're bringing the right people into her life all along the way. And that this is going to be a 
wonderful, blessed time. And if this is her whole career, then so be it, Lord. Show her that. And if this is just for a season or a few years, that's fine, Lord. You'll show her that too. But bottom line, she's serving you. She is safe, protected. She's successful. She's rising to the top and succeeding at every single thing that she is assigned to. We thank you for strength every step of the way, especially through this training period, Lord. Give her the strength. Give her the energy. Give her the uh, just the, the mental willpower, Lord, to do everything that she is told to do. We thank you for your blessing on her. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, amen, guys. Come on, yeah. What an exciting, exciting time. And we just thank you so much. We love you. All right. All right, praise God. All right, you can be seated, all right? You've got about three and a half minutes before we tell you to stand up again. <laughs> praise God. Let's go ahead and do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Amen. All right, praise God. I'll have Pastor come on up and do that for us. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. All right. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. I tell you what, if it's alive, it's worth the drive. I'm glad to be here in this church. There's lots of stuff going on for Jesus, changing lives forever. Uh, open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. How many just love to go broke? How many want a class on how to file bankruptcy? Well, we're just the opposite. We want to show you how to prosper, how to have more than enough. At, at the, time, the times we live in, you need to know how to tap into your covenant with God. Amen. And uh, if, if you've been around the Word of God very long, you know the Bible teaches us is just so many hundreds and hundreds of examples and verses of the Bible. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to have more than enough. Jesus not only redeemed us from, from uh, hell, sickness, disease, sin, and all those things, but from poverty on earth. Think about Psalms 23. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall go broke. That's the religious version. It says, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not what? Yes, yeah, shall not want. God doesn't want you to live in lacking and want. He wants you to have more than enough. And we, t- we teach a lot of verses on that. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36 says this. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. That means your faith in God, your faith in his word says, has great recompense and reward. What does? Your confidence, your faith in God. We've always got to remember who our faith is in, why we have faith, why we have confidence. He said, don't throw it away, for you have need of patience, but after you've done the will of God, how many know that the Bible is the will of God? The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He's not willing that any, it, it, it should perish, but all should be saved. Jesus come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the will of God. And so the will of God's the word of God. And he says that after you're a believer, he wants you to become a disciple. And he wants you, he wants you to become a tither. He wants you to return 10% to him so he can bless you. So the will of God is for you to be saved, to be discipled, to grow, to be a tither, to tap into God's blessings. And so after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise he said, but first of all, don't cast away your confidence. And so how do you not cast away your confidence? How do you keep your confidence? Look over at verse 23. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our doubts. Let us hold fast our confessions of what we see on cable news about the economy. 
Let's hold fast the confession of how bad it is because who's in office or who's not in office? No. Hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering for he, Jesus, is faithful that promised. He is faithful that promised. And there's so many hundreds and hundreds of financial verses of the Bible. Just latch on to some of those verses. My God shall supply all of my need. God rebukes the devourer for me. I give it as given unto me. Just on and on and on and on. The Bible tells you what you sow is what you reap. And so he's the one. Jesus is the one that caused those promises to come to pass. And so what he's saying is here is keep on saying what you said when you got it started. Keep with your faith. Keep on confessing what the Bible says. And that's why we do a financial faith confession at every offering to help you stay sharp and confess in the Word of God over what you've got because God said, cast out away there for your confidence. When you're tempted to talk about the lack, talk about how high Wonder Bread is. I don't know about that because we buy Wonder Bread and it's pretty high. <laughs> hey man, talk about how high Maxwell Coffee is. Well, we know about Maxwell Coffee. It's pretty high. And so what we do, we say our God supplies all of our need for His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. The Lord is our shepherd. We do not what? Gas is going down everywhere. California gas is going up. My God shall supply all of my need. Amen. Do you get what I'm saying? Stick with the Word of God and the Word of God will work for you. Well, let's stand up and make our financial faith confession. And keep it in mind, as we're saying these things we're saying, we got, we, got, we got them modernized, but they're in line with the principles of the Word of God. You keep on saying these things, get this in your heart, in your mouth, no matter what you're faced in life, and says Jesus is the one that takes care of your needs. Jesus is the one that's able to buy Maxwell House coffee for you if you drink that. <laughs> Whatever it is, or to fill your car up with gas. You know, those days that give me a dollar's worth don't work anymore. <laughs> Let's make this financial faith confession. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, find in money, Bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord. Meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give justice in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to worship the Lord the other day. Feel free to join us at the altar, or you can sing from your seats. Arise, my soul, remember this. He took my sin and he buried it. No longer I who live. Now Jesus lives in me, for I was dead in sin. But I woke up to see the light. No, I won't boast. 
God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you say.
let's raise our hands together for a minute this morning. Jesus, we can say that great is your faithfulness, Lord. Your mercies are new every single morning. We thank you that you've never left us. You've never forsaken us, Lord. You said you would be with us always, even until the end of the world. And Jesus, you're right here with us today. And I pray that we would open up our hearts and our and, and, and our lives to you, Lord, and let you do the work that you want to do within us. We love you, Jesus, and you and you alone are worthy of our praise. There's no one else that we're going to sing to. There's no one else we're going to bow down to. There's no one else we're going to raise these hands to. Jesus, you are the King above all kings. You are the Lord above all lords. And we proclaim that today boldly and without any fear of contradiction, Jesus. We love you and we praise your name. Hallelujah. You know, the book of Hebrews tells us that this hope is an anchor for our souls. And why would you need an an anchor for something? Well, you need an anchor to keep something in the same place so it doesn't just go floating off somewhere. And your soul, you know, being your mind, your will, and emotions, sometimes our soul, our emotions, and our mind, it's, it's, it's prone to just floating off. You know, it's prone to just, you know, going wherever. But when Jesus is the anchor, he keeps you right where you need to be. The winds blow, but you don't have to go floating off somewhere. Amen. The storms may come. You don't have to go bouncing up and down. The anchor keeps you where you need to be. Amen. And so I love singing that, that he is the anchor for our souls today. Amen. Well, let's give the Lord some praise one more time. Hallelujah. Jesus, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Well, you can make your way to your seats this morning. Amen. We're just having a good time all over the place. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, who's ready to get into the word of God today? All right, I'm ready to get into the Word of God. I love God's Word. That's why I go to a church called High Desert Word Center. Amen? Because I love the Word. (laughs) Praise God. Well, uh, first of all, if you need an outline for the sermon, the ushers will give you one. Uh, If we still got some available, uh, uh, you get an outline to follow along with what we're uh, teaching on today. But what we are uh, on today is part three of a series that we've been doing called Noah. It's just simply called no, because I have found out in life that sometimes my no is more powerful than even my yes is. And it's super important in life that you find out how to say no. And, uh, and you know, uh, sometimes we think that the most important thing we can do is just, well, just say yes to everything to keep everybody happy. And, and yes, yes, yes. But there is a lot of power and a lot of freedom when you get to the place where you know when to say no, and you know when to say yes. And we've seen uh, the last few weeks, man, how how even Satan came to Jesus Christ himself and presented temptation. And, you know, Jesus had been in the wilderness for 40 days. He hadn't ate or anything. And Satan shows up with temptation and says, hey, if you really are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. And what's the very first thing Jesus said? He said, no, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus himself had to tell the devil, no. And I promise you, in your life, you will have plenty of opportunities to tell the devil, no. 
There may be something that you have overcame, something you've been delivered from, and he will wait until he thinks he's got a better opportunity to come and dangle the temptation in front of you. And if you don't have the foundation of God's word in your heart, you will not have the strength to say no. You've got to take God's word very, very seriously and make it a priority because every time Satan came to Jesus, he said no, and he answered with scripture. You've got to have God's word in your heart. It's so powerful that that King David put it this way. He said, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so God's word is powerful. You've got to have it in your heart, all right? And so this week, we're going to look at two other areas that you need to say no to if you want to grow in your faith and if you want to just, I mean, flat out be a more mature person. Who thinks it sounds fun to be mature? Yeah, that's I figured, about 30% of the crowd. Nick definitely doesn't think it sounds fun, but, you know, praise God. I don't like to put people on blast, but sometimes they need blasted, all right? Uh, But listen, listen, uh, you know, hey, if you want to grow in your faith and become a more mature Christian, there are some times and some things that we have got to say no to. And so today, I guess if I was being transparent, I'm going to talk about a couple of things that hit a little bit close to home with me. And uh, and I and I know I know a lot of you, okay? I don't know everybody here, but I know a lot of you. And hey, this hits close to home on some of you too, so don't laugh at me as I share some of this. But uh, anyway, the first thing that we're going to talk about today is saying no to, number one, say no to distractions. You got to learn how to say no to distractions. Now, I'm not afraid to admit that I'm an easily distracted person. Is there anybody else in here? Help me out. Man, you can admit that it doesn't take much (laughs) to distract you. I mean, I could start out my day with a full plan of exactly what I need to do. And for me, if it is not written down on paper, it ain't happening. It has to be written down so I can check things off beside it one at a time. Or next thing you know, I'm just sitting there wondering about who really came up with you know, grounding coffee beans into a drink, you know. And next thing you know, I mean, uh, my mind wanders from one thing to another, and I'm lost, and nothing has gotten done, and I've got a stack of work to do. But uh, seriously... I admit that sometimes I'm a little bit easily distracted. And so what could I do? Could I say, well, I don't need to be productive in life because I was born with a deficiency that I'm easily distracted. So that's my excuse. No, I need to learn how to say no to distraction. Be a big boy. Be 37 years old and get the job done. Is anybody with me today? Amen. And so, you know, uh, I found this interesting just looking up some information, you know, um, this is the truth, that human beings in the American society, and as of 2015, we officially have less of an attention span than goldfish. True. Yeah. Uh, talking about it, just keeping your eyes fixed on the same thing, we can do that for an average of 8.25 seconds. The goldfish can do it for nine full seconds. Now, you know, we're so used to flipping between screens and, and, and our eyes looking everywhere, and, 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 and it's, it's crazy. We have a really hard time. And, and even if a video is very long, I've noticed, like, man, the average YouTube video, people, can, if it's over a couple of minutes, they don't finish it. I'm, if I'm watching YouTube and there's an ad that I can't skip, I'm sitting there like, oh, my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. Jesus, help me. I can't sit through this. And I grew up in the 90s when we still had commercials on television. I mean, what has happened? 
So then I found out in the year 2000, our attention span on something was 12 seconds. We've lost three seconds just in the, in the, in the matter of, of, of a couple of decades here. But the truth of the matter is, is that there are a lot of very easily distracted people. And I've even found out if someone wants to text me something, if you want to text me, get to the point. I don't care what you were wearing, what you had for breakfast. If it's like four pages of a text, I'm probably not going to finish it. And you're like, Pastor Dave, don't say that. I'm trying to be honest this morning. Some guy wrote me a, a mean and insulting and threatening letter last year. And, and I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, looking at all the things he's calling me and stuff. And midway through the letter, it was so long. I start thinking, man, what am I going to do for lunch, man? I know Del Taco's got that thing. I didn't even finish the insults and the threats. I'm like, you know, whatever. I don't, I, I don't even have, my attention span isn't even there. I was interested at first, but I lost interest because it was too long. If you want to insult me, just say it. And you know, but I don't want you to, but I'm just saying, you know, if you want to threaten me and insult me, just get to the point, all right, so I can go get lunch. Uh, but, but my attention span isn't there to sit through all that. And so with all that, you know, honestly, though, with our distractions, I'm going to tell you this. Oftentimes, we start off with good intentions and a game plan. Maybe, you know, how you can grow in the Lord. Every day I'm going to wake up at, at, at 5 and read the Bible and, and, and pray for this amount of time or whatever it is. But if we don't say no to distraction, I promise you something is going to knock on the door. Something's going to wave a flag over here and you're going to go running and get totally off track from what it is you were supposed to do. One of my friends in college, uh, Pastor Kay and I were talking to him, and he was kind of down. And I'm like, dude, what, what happened? And true story, he's like, well, I wrecked my car. And I'm like, how would you wreck your car? He's like, well, I was driving down Main Street in Tulsa, and there was this pretty girl on the sidewalk. And I was staring, and I ran right back into the car in front of me. And I'm like, wow, distraction can be a dangerous and embarrassing thing. you got to focus on where it is that you're going. Now, again, all this can sound a little bit funny, but distractions can be dangerous to your faith and to your life. And so I'm going to talk about a few quick things on this point before we move forward uh, regarding distraction. Okay, so letter A on your outline there is distraction. It helps the devil rob you. Distraction, it will help the devil rob and steal, kill, and destroy in your life because that's what he's here to do according to John 10 and verse 10. So look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. 1 Peter 5, 8. Yeah, let's get a little excitement for God's word today. You know, am I at the right place? 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And distraction, it, you know, it can be silly sometimes, but it can also end up costing you if uh, if we don't learn to focus. Amen. So first Peter chapter five, and we're going to look here at, at verse eight. Now, this is talking about the devil, but these first couple of words here are exactly what we need to hear. So what's it say? <laughs> Stay alert. Stay alert. Stay awake. Watch out for your great enemy, your husband. Oh, uh, <laughs> your great enemy who? The devil. Why? Because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to stay alert, stay awake, be ready. Well, the King James says, be sober, be, vis- be vigilant. We've got to always be paying attention in our lives. And I found out, man, that the, the, the older I get, the more responsibilities that I get on my plate, 
the more that I can't afford to just have a day of, of doing nothing, a day of letting my mind wander, a, a day of being lazy, you've got to be on guard because I know this much, the devil isn't taking a day off. And even if you're not paying attention, he's paying attention. And he's ready to come in at just the right moment and, and, and rob you of something valuable in your life. I heard this story about a lumber yard that had been having issues with theft. And so they put up fences and they hired security guards and, and, and they even had to start keeping an eye on the, on the employees. And so every time the employees left, you know, they had to go past the security guards and stuff. Well, uh, one day an employee comes out with a wheelbarrow and uh, he's got a big bag in it and he's friends with the security guard so the security guard's like okay hold on all right what's in the bag and and the worker's like i promise it's just sawdust i and, and he's like we've been friends a long time show me what's in the bag he opens the bag and sure enough it's just a bag full of sawdust and he's like okay there's you know nothing against that take all the sawdust you want and so every day for weeks this keeps happening and finally the security guard's like i know this guy there is more than meets the eye going on right here. He's up to something. And so finally one day, the security guard stops the employees like, okay, tell, tell me what's going on. I know you're doing something. You're smuggling something out of here. Be honest with me. I will let you off the hook. No questions asked. You'll never hear from me again. What is it that you are smuggling out of here every day? And he says, wheelbarrows. <laughs> right past you. I'm saying, you've been checking the bags of nothingness this whole time, and I've been taking a wheelbarrow every day for weeks. And so often, we're focused on the worthless, useless, whatever, and something even more valuable is being stolen right from the front of our eyes. And why is that? We're distracted by the silly nonsense. You're watching three or four hours of TV a day. You're, you're, you're playing on your phone for six hours a day, and the devil's sneaking in the back door messing with your kids and your family and your health and your finances, and you're too busy looking at TikTok. That came out loud. That came, my bad. That came out loud. But what I'm saying is being distracted can be a little bit funny, but in the end, you could be being robbed by the devil of some pretty important and valuable things, and you didn't even see it coming. You know, I've known a lot of people that have gotten distracted with some of the things in this life, maybe having the biggest house, the, the nicest boat or the car or, or the new toy, and, and, and they'll work every waking hour so they can have the biggest and the best. And guess what? They end up getting it. They get that boat or that house or that car or that toy, and they get what they really worked for, but then they lose what was really valuable, maybe their family, their marriage. They kind of let go of Jesus a little bit because, hey, I got to work, 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 work. If I don't have a bigger house than this guy, then I just don't know how I could even live with that. Really? That's worth it? No, it's not. Listen, don't get distracted by all the junk in the bag, so to speak, and get robbed of what's really valuable in your life. My family isn't for sale for any amount of money. My church isn't for sale for any amount of whatever. It ain't for sale. I got to stay focused all the time because the enemy is real. Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. He's real. All right. And so letter B, distraction will steal your peace. Distraction, hey, it'll steal 
your peace. And I'm going to look at one of my favorite verses here, Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Can we go there today? Isaiah 26, 3. Are we having a good time in the house of the Lord? Yeah, amen. Isaiah 26. I'm going to look here at verse 3. And this is talking about focus. Focusing where your eyes need to be. And that is on Jesus. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace. Perfect peace. Somebody say, perfect peace. Man, I would just love to have peace. But hey, if there's a perfect peace available, sign me up for the perfect peace. You will keep in perfect peace. Who? All who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. What does it mean when your thoughts are fixed on something? Well, you're focusing on it. And when my thoughts are fixed on the Lord, man, I am focusing on him. And I can tell you this much in my life, I've got perfect peace when I am completely focused on the Lord. And how do you do that? Well, one great way is simply by taking God's word seriously, because according to John 1 verse 1, Jesus is the word. The more that I am focusing on the word, the more I am focusing on Jesus. And it tells us right here, you will be kept in perfect peace. And so I had somebody, I was sharing this with somebody one time, and they didn't have no peace, and, and they're going on and on. I'm like, man, you need to keep your thoughts fixed on him. My thoughts are fixed on him, but I don't have perfect peace. And just to be honest, you're a liar. You're a liar. Your thoughts aren't fixed on him. You're lying right now. If your thoughts were fixed on him, you would have perfect peace. Either God's word's lying or you're lying, and I pick you. It's for real. I'm, I'm just being serious. Any time that I am fixed on, focused on the word of God and on Jesus, I have the perfect peace that Isaiah 26.3 promises. But it takes some focus, and it takes some saying no to other things. Do you get that today? You've got to learn how to say no to some other things. And letter C is this, is that distraction will keep you from Jesus. It'll keep you from Jesus. And I want to show you a, sm- a, a story here that perhaps you're familiar with. But Luke chapter 10, we're going to go over there. Luke chapter 10, distraction will keep you from Jesus. And here we have a story of Mary and Martha, the two sisters, all right? And uh, and Jesus comes to their house. And I'm thinking, man, if Jesus came to my house, first of all, I would really hope that it's clean. Is there anybody else you're thinking like, get all the Cheetos, the Doritos, then the goldfish, and anything else the kids have, throw it in the rooms or something. But I mean, seriously, get the place clean. I want it to look good for Jesus. And, and who can blame you? I mean, come on. But really, when you know Jesus, you realize that he's already seen it anyway because he's there every day. But, you know, but, but you know, let's, you know, think about that. But here we are, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And we have Jesus going to the sister's house. And, uh, and, and, and one sister made the right choice. The other didn't quite make the right choice. And so it says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Who thinks that's a pretty good idea? If Jesus rolls up to your house, I'm just going to sit down at his feet and hang on every word that he says. You get that? I mean, I, I don't. that's exactly what I would want to be doing. But look at verse 40. But Martha was what? 
Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's my excuse for not being a detail person. Come on, somebody say amen today. Amen. I am not a detail. But anyway, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, look at this. Sometimes distractions aren't even sinful things. It's not sinful to make a big meal and clean your house for guests, especially when Jesus is coming over. But sometimes just because it's not sinful, it doesn't mean that it's the most important thing. And the the most important thing right here is being with Jesus. And it's easy to look at that story and point in life and say, oh my gosh, so silly. But how about in your life? You know, we all want a clean house. We all want, you know, things to be in order. But there is a point in time where you do kind of need to say no to some things if it means that you are not going to get to spend time with Jesus that day. There's one thing that I hate, and it's a sink full of dishes. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And so <laughs> I, mean, I, I can't stand a sink full of And so, you know, it's real easy for me to get up, and if there's dishes in the sink, to just go over there and, and, and try to handle that type of thing and try to, well, I, I'll, that'll still leave me a few minutes for the Bible, but there's sometimes I got to say, no, you know what? They're going to have to sit there because, listen, that's going to cut into my Jesus time. And in the end, am I going to go to bed tonight and say, oh, I wish I had done more dishes today? Or am I going to say, man, I had 15 minutes for Jesus this morning and I wasted it scrubbing dishes. Scrubbing dishes is a good thing. You got to do it. It needs to be done. But spending time with Jesus is even more important. Amen. Can I get an amen today? Y'all are looking at me like you don't listen. Seriously, I promise you the other stuff, you'll get to it, but you have to make Jesus and his word a priority. Sometimes you got to say no to some distractions, even if they're not sinful things. And the second thing I'm going to say today is this. You got to say no. Here we go. Men, are you ready to say amen? This is uh, all right. You got to say no to procrastination. Well, the ladies really enjoyed that. Okay. Wow. <laughs> now, listen. It's one thing to be confused or distracted, all right? I mean, that happens to us. But procrastination is when you know exactly what you should be doing and you choose to put it off. Thank you for your holy silence. No, for real. And stereotypically, all right, let's just get, you know, I don't like to say this, but sometimes men are the worst at this. And I can say that because I are one. But really, sometimes we, 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 we struggle with this. And I saw a perfect thing on the internet, and it was true. And so I tried to share this with my wife. But ladies, if your man told you that he's going to fix something around the house, he's going to do it. There's no need to remind him every six months about it, okay? He'll get to it. He'll get to it. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Getting, getting comments from the crowd. All right. But, but really, it can be, it can be a, a, a pretty dangerous thing, especially spiritually. What about when the Lord told you to do something and you're like, I'll get around to it, Jesus. Okay. And then six months go by. Yeah, Jesus, I'll get around to it. What if Jesus said, Hey, I need you to fix this in your life. I'll get around to it. You don't have to remind me every six months. Gosh, who are you? My wife? Oh, no, but. 
But seriously, that's a dangerous thing. Because when he speaks to us, there's always a reason for it. And he sees something that you don't see. Have you learned that already? That when he's telling you something, it's because he sees something that you don't see. And the the danger may not be six months down the road. It may be tomorrow. And he's saying, I need you to deal with this right now. Oh, I'll, get, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. That's not a good idea. And so uh, I got this for you today on your outline there. Uh, two pains that I'm talking about. Two pains are discipline and regrets. Discipline and regrets. Discipline weighs ounces. Regret weighs tons. Discipline weighs ounces. Regret weighs tons. I mean, you know, let's just take, you could use the example of, uh, of being in good health. It takes discipline to go out and exercise and eat right and take the right vitamin. I mean, it, that's probably not fun and convenient. I wouldn't, no, I don't do any of that, but you know, it's probably not fun. It takes discipline. It takes doing things you don't feel like doing. But what if you end up having health issues later on? Well, then the regret of what could have been discipline earlier, it weighs a whole lot more and it hurts a whole lot more. And I can even think of maybe, you know, for instance, in school, you know, nobody wants to sit there and study for a test. You know, you put it off. No, 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 that's not fun. I don't want to do that. I want to play video games. I'm talking to all the young people in the church right now, some of my own. And so, you know, you want to, you want to do things like the games and ball and hoop and everything. And, And that's fun. But later on, when you fail the test, the pain of that regret hurts a little bit more than it would have to just sit there and take a little time to study and prepare for what was ahead. And, you know, I was thinking in, in Pastor Katie and I's life, uh, man, when we were in college, our, our, our first year, it went really rough, all right? We got married at 19, moved to uh, Oklahoma a few months later for Bible college, and it was rough. Dude, we were poor. And I don't like being poor. And some people are like, no, poor is a blessing. It teaches you to be humble. Baloney. Being poor is a, no, that's not a blessing. You know, I, I mean, and some would say, no, that's how you get humble. Man, I know some poor people that aren't humble. All right? And so that's just a crock. Listen to me. It's, it was awful. And I've told the stories, man. We ate ramen every day. Every day. And when we were fortunate, we could buy the cheap fake cheese from Aldi and try to make grilled cheese sandwiches, but it never melted. I'm still waiting on it. I could hold this junk over. It was straight rubber. And I think it's still in my stomach somewhere 15 years later. I don't know where that stuff went. But, but I mean, we were trying to make these grilled cheese. It would never, ever melt. But I was thankful. Oh, I was thankful. Still thankful. Anyway, so we went through all this. And after the first year, I'm like, you know what? There's a... There's other Bible colleges in America. I'm just going to find one. I was learning so much about the Bible, growing so much. But but I was like, no, this is hard. It's hard, and I want to quit. I want to find another way to get a Bible degree. I'll move back to, I'll move back home. I'll move back to Indiana. And in the end, I was like, you know what? No, no, no. We're going to stick this thing out, and it's going to get better. And you need to know that today. If you're in a hard time right now, stick with Jesus. It's going to get better. Well, I don't have much money. You'll get more someday. Stick with it. Don't be a little quitter. Don't don't run off like I was trying to do. In fact, I had to show that picture. This is how bad it was. That's us right there. I mean, look at that. Look at that. Like, what is that on my head? That's some kind of mop or something. I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, I was six foot tall, weighed like 130 pounds. I was starving to death. But anyway, we stuck with it and made it 
through, and it took some discipline. All right, get it off the screen. No one's paying attention to me. Get up, move on to the next thing, all right? It's not that funny. I mean, there's a little, all right, the live stream zooming in on it. Thanks, Raymond. That's good. All right. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, is that the pain of regret, it hurts a whole lot more than the pain of discipline and just sticking with it at the right time. Amen. And a, a really ugly synonym for procrastinate is lazy. A really yuck synonym for procrastinate is just simply, let's just get real. Hey, I'm being lazy. I don't want to do it. <laughs> and, and, and that again, can be funny, but the Bible doesn't have a whole lot of positive things to say about laziness. In fact, I mean, everything I've seen about it's really negative, actually. So we're going to look at just two two references here. Proverbs 20 and verse 4. Amen. Procrastinators of the world unite tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. Amen. Proverbs 20 and verse 4. Proverbs 20 and verse 4. And, uh, you know, this is not uh, fun stuff to look at, but I'm trying to help us grow. And you're never going to grow in your faith or really as a person, as a Christian, until you learn to start saying no to some things. Uh, A fruit of the Spirit is self-control. In fact, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us that he's given us self-control, self-discipline. It is super important that we tap in to that gift. But here we are, Proverbs chapter 20. And verse 4, and uh, man, what a verse here. It tells us this, that those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Can I get an amen? It says those too lazy to plow in the right season. Those that, uh, let's do it next season. We'll procrastinate. Well, you could try that, but next season isn't plowing season. Right now is plowing season. And God may be telling you to do something right now. And you're, no, I'll do it next season, man. I'll do it when I feel like it. Whoa. Well, well, when it's time for harvest time, you're not going to have the, you're not going to have any harvest because you didn't plow when it, and, and plant the seed in the right season. And so often people like this, they look around, it's not fair. They got a raise. They got a new job. They got this. It's not fair. Well, what was fair is that they got up during planting season and planted. They got up and did something when God told them to. Don't get mad at them just because they've got a harvest right now. Don't get mad at them just because they have some blessings coming in right now. They did what the Lord told them to do, and they didn't procrastinate on it. That went over big. Let's go to chapter 26. 26, wow. Not making a lot of friends today. Proverbs 26, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 16. Proverbs 26, verses 12 through 16. And again, this just kind of uh, talks a little bit about laziness. But it says, there is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. Man, I've met some people that think they are wise. And it's apparent to everybody else around them that they're not. But look at verse 13. The lazy person claims, oh, there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. Well, what is that talking about? That's saying lazy people, people that procrastinate, they make up absurd and unrealistic excuses for why they won't go do the right thing. All right? And so for us, oh, the lion's out there. No, no, no. There's not. No, stop. That's not even true. That's ridiculous and and so unrealistic. It's not true. And in our lives, sometimes we make up ridiculous and unrealistic excuses for why we aren't going to go 
do what we're supposed to do. And, and, and all of it only makes us look silly. But look at the next verse, verse 14. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Wow. Lazy people, they take their food in their hand, but they don't even lift it to their mouth. Have you seen the, the helmets that have the straws in them just because you're like, that's you. Keep your helmet, but just don't bring it around here. Verse 16. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. Now that verse, I'm going to go ahead and say amen to. I know a lot of people like that. They stay at home and look at things on the internet all day and Google things and, and research. And they're an expert on everything, but they don't ever actually do anything. And I found out, I don't want a surgeon that's just read all about surgeries on Google. I want someone that's actually done some surgeries before. Amen? You know, if I'm going down for surgery, which I don't have any more guys. Last year took care of all of them, all right? But if I'm going in for surgery, and I can have two guys, two guys I'm talking to, and I'm like, hey, you know, what's up with you? Can you tell me about, well, you know what? Hey, um, I, I have read all about surgery on WebMD. Google. I mean, I've read lots of books, never done any, but I've read all about it. I feel like I'm an expert on it. And the other guy tells me I've performed, you know, 6,000 of these surgeries and, and have a very high success rate. And I haven't read as many books and Google as him, but I've done a lot of it. Who am I going with? I'm going with the guy that's a doer, the guy that's actually done something in life. Amen. And so for us, excuses, procrastination, lazy, they all go together and they will all keep you out of God's best for your life. If the Lord's speaking to you, if he's telling you to do something, do it. Come on. Don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Let's get to it. And I was reading about uh, a really, really cool guy named George Washington Carver. I've read about him a lot, but I was just I was sitting around with nothing to do this week, and I was Googling things because, you know, there's nothing else to do. And uh, <laughs> that's a joke. I've got plenty to do. Don't don't think that I <laughs> But I'm reading about George Washington Carver, and he was born into slavery in Missouri in 1864, right before the Civil War ended. He wasn't a- allowed to go to school until he was 10 years old. And so when he got there, he had to work twice as hard as everybody else. And long story short, the man has gone down as one of the top scientists of the whole 20th century. He was dedicated to Jesus. And he had this idea that you could study science even through the Bible, and they don't contradict. They complement each other and complete each other. And so as, as he, he's praying one day, and, and anyway, he's like, Lord, I want you to reveal to me the secret of the universe. And in his own words, he said, the Lord told me that's too big for you. I'm going to give you something on your level. I'll tell you all about the peanut. And so this man invented over 300 products from the peanut. A lot of things we still use today, different plastics and stuff. He got all of it. He sat down and God told him all sorts of things about the peanut. And he was so successful, so incredible, and just a highly respected scientist. And he gave all the glory to Jesus. But one of my favorite quotes comes from him. This is on your outline. He said, 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. And if there's anybody that could have made excuses, uh, this guy could have. He was held back. He was 
disadvantaged. He, I mean, he did not live in a fair society at all, but he worked, 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 prayed, prayed, prayed. He didn't just roll over and play dead. He stuck with it. And my gosh, was he successful. And I could say that most of the people that I've known that have, that have failed in life, it's not because they've just been dealt a worse hand than everybody else. They just got really, really good at making excuses. And even so many people, you realize that in our Christian faith, we all have the chance to grow. You know, it's not it's just, maybe we all have different callings, but it's not like God just, you know, picked Brent over here or something and said, no, 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 I want him to just be better than everybody else and, and grow. I want him to know more. than No, we're all have been dealt, it tells us, the measure of faith. We all get the measure of faith when we're born again. And what you do from there just depends on if you're going to study God's word, if you're going to exercise your faith. But you realize that God has no favorites. Some people are like, oh, no, she's just God's favorite. That's why she knows so much. No, no, no. The Lord, he has no favorites. Peter said, I can clearly perceive that God is no respecter of persons in the King James. And so God, he doesn't just like somebody more than you or have favorites. But some people, they just take him a little bit more seriously. And they start growing in their faith. And you start to see incredible results in their life. And and to the person that maybe doesn't understand faith, they would say, that's not fair. It's really fair. They decided that they were going to take God's word seriously, not procrastinate when he told them to do something. And then in the harvest season, at the right time, they start seeing wonderful, miraculous things happen in their life. We have to say no to procrastination. And yes, when the Lord is telling us to do something, procrastination can be costly. Now, you don't want to procrastinate on anything, but think about when it comes to your family. You know, if you've got undealt with hurts and issues, let's start working on that now. Don't don't wait till tomorrow. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. For all we know, we could hear the trumpet sound and Jesus call all the Christians out of here by this time tomorrow night. I don't want undealt with issues. Now, best I can count, I'm not totally sure. I think I've done between 150 to 200 funerals. And and so out of all these funerals and all that I attended as a child with my dad and all I've helped out with, lots and lots, I've been to a lot of funerals is what I'm trying to say. And out of nearly every single funeral, I almost always hear the same stuff. Man, oh, there was things that I should have said while they were still here. I wish that I would have fixed this. We had some undealt with, and, 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 and there's this regret. Why? Because it takes, it, it, let's get real, it takes some discipline and, and, and getting, laying some pride down to fix some things while the person's still here. But then when they're gone, it can hurt a little bit. Now, thank God for forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. But what I'm saying is this, don't procrastinate when it comes to your family and don't procrastinate when it comes to Jesus. People are like, I'll, I'll, I'll make a decision. I'll, I'll get around to that. And, and they've, they've heard the gospel preach. And maybe they've, they've, they've said a little prayer and they repeat it off of a little note card. Dear Heavenly Father, I do solemnly swear to. Uh, and, and that's cute and that's wonderful. But listen to me. Have we ever really made Jesus the Lord of our life? It's one thing to repeat a prayer. And hey, you, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans ten thirteen. Absolutely. Hallelujah. I get that, and that's wonderful, but it's a whole other thing to really make Jesus the Lord of our life. 
and maybe he's dealing with you and you're just kind of procrastinating. I'll take it more seriously or uh, there's still some stuff that I just want to hang on to. And it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. We don't know what tomorrow brings. And we don't know, like I said, if, hey, we're going to be raptured tomorrow. We have no idea. And I want to show you one final story today, then we'll close things out. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to look at verses 10 through 13. This is the story that the scripture calls the, the, the ten virgins in the, in the King James, but uh, the ten bridesmaids. All right, so Matthew 25. And we're going to look at a few verses here of some ladies that were ready at the right time. They got ready. And then some that procrastinated. Everybody say procrastinated. Say no to it, man. You got to do that. So here we are. And, and, and as we read this story, I'm just going to read it. I shortened it down to a few verses, but, but as we read the story, you know, one of the things that you got to realize is that a Jewish wedding, especially of that day, was different than our cute little 30-minute American ceremony where you say, I do, and, and you know, everyone throws rice at you, and you leave and go have a honeymoon. No, they did a big, you know, big, huge ceremony, and then they had a reception, the after party. It lasted for seven days. Think about it, a seven-day party. That's not my type of thing. I don't like to, I mean, i got to go home and sleep, but they would, they would just, it was a big, week-long affair. And before the ceremony, though, which wasn't big enough of its own, the groom would go and prepare a place for his bride. And what did Jesus say? He said, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you unto myself. And so the church is called the Bride of Christ. And so it, it lines up with this story here out of Matthew chapter 25. But after the, the groom has prepared the place, he would come in the night with all this bride, all the groomsmen. They're called the boys, all right? So the boys, they would show up in the middle of the night, and and what would happen? They'd make all this noise, and, oh, the groom is here. It's time for the party. It's time for the ceremony. And it all lines up with what Jesus said it would be like when he returns. He could come as a thief in the night when least expected. And so in this particular story, the groom and the boys had gone to prepare the place, and and they took a little longer than what everybody thought was going to happen. And so there's ten bridesmaids. So this is a pretty big wedding, right? There's ten of them. And and five of them, they brought enough uh, uh, enough oil. They brought extra so they could keep their lantern lit all night long so they were ready. Well, five of them kind of procrastinated. They were a little bit lazy. They made excuses and like, oh, no, we don't want to go get any right now. And so they end up running out. And then the unthinkable happens. The groom actually shows up, and they weren't ready. So Matthew 25 and verse 10, it says, But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. And that's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. He's going to come, and those that are ready get to go, and the door is shut and locked after that. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. We're ready now. We believe now. Now we're ready. And you got to realize, hey, with the things of God, it's not working on your schedule. It's working on his. And he's like, I'm glad you're ready now. I needed you ready like uh, 10 minutes ago. I needed you ready last year. I needed you ready when I said to be ready. I'm glad you're ready now, but it's too late. And then verse 12, he calls back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you do not know 
the day or hour of my return. Now we realize this, that there's a lot of people that know Jesus is real and like they acknowledge his existence. That's a really great thing. You need to acknowledge his existence because he's real whether you believe in him or not. But those same people may be procrastinating on their decision to give their life to him. And that's a risky business to be in. That's too, that's too risky for, I'm not going to do that. I, I can't wait. I, I've got to know right now. And it's risky because as we've all seen and known, we don't know what tomorrow may bring. We don't know if, if the groom returns tomorrow and says, all right, let's go. I'm here. I'm ready to go home. Hey, well, give me five, five minutes, five minutes. Give, give me a few more minutes and I promise I'll be ready. It's too late. I'm not, I'm not going on your schedule. We're working on mine. And in our lives, when the Lord's been dealing with us, I need you to let this thing go. I'll get to it. I don't want to. No, I need you to let it go. Or I need you to go do this. I need you to make this change. Jesus, come on. Slow down. Pump the brakes. Come on. Cut me a little slack here. You're, you're, you're being judgmental. You're being condemning. You're, you're, you're all these stupid things. No, no. He doesn't play that game, okay? He's not a 2022 millennial, okay? <laughs> he's been around a little while. And he's not going to listen to all that. He's going to say, I love you. I have waited as long as I can wait. My father said, we've got to do this right now. Now's the time. Ready or not, here I come. And so for us, I encourage us today that if we are like the book of Joel says, Joel chapter 3 says, thousands and thousands are waiting in the valley of decision. But it's right there that the day of the Lord will soon arrive. And so for us, you know, we may seem like, oh, I'm in this decision time. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, maybe you have made Jesus your savior, but beyond that, maybe he's speaking to you on something even bigger. Well, today's the day that you could say, you know what? I've been procrastinating on that. I've been putting it off. I've been just telling, you know, I'll get to it. Well, today would be a great day to say, you know what? Jesus, I'm saying yes to you today. You've asked me and I'm saying yes. Jesus, you've been knocking at the door. I'm saying yes today. And so, you know, whatever the Lord's dealing with you on, today is the day of salvation. Can we stand up together? Our theme verse for 2022 is Joshua 24, 15. And it says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But notice... The word of the Lord through Joshua didn't say, choose for yourself someday when you feel like it, when you're in the mood, go ahead and make that choice. No, it says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so we're going to take a few minutes here to close out. I'm going to have my prayer team come on up. But man, maybe if you're here and, and you've never really made that decision for Jesus, maybe you've heard the gospel, maybe you've heard the truth, and you've procrastinated and said, I'll get to it. No, 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 no. Stop that now. Today is the day of salvation. Choose for yourself today who you will serve. All right, take it a step further. Maybe you've got things right with Jesus in here, but he's been dealing with you on some other issue, and you've been, no, Jesus, no, no, no. Today's the day to say no to yourself and say yes to Jesus. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. And so, I, you know, I'm just encouraging you, if that's you, come on up, let us pray with you. Or you can do business with God right there. But if you're here today and you need to really receive Jesus as your Savior, it's so important that you come and let one of us pray with you. Because it's very important that you aren't ashamed or embarrassed about Jesus. He said, if you deny me, 
in front of man, I'll have to deny you before my Father in heaven. If you'll acknowledge me in front of man, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. You have to publicly acknowledge Jesus at some point. Amen. All right, well, if you need prayer for anything, we invite you and encourage you to come on up with us today. And if not, man, you just worship and talk to the Lord right there in your seat today. Amen. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the
we still got a little ministry going on this morning, so we'll try to be reverent for that. But I trust everybody's been blessed from God's word today. Amen. Can we receive that? We got to say no. No to procrastination. No to excuses. Amen. And we're going to see God work in our lives. Well, we want to remind you we've got service tonight at 6 o'clock. And if you thought this was fun, oh, it's going to be a lot more fun tonight. Amen. So be here at 6. And also today is the Carl's Jr. fundraiser. And so you can go to the drive-thru or to the uh, inside. And, you know, if you don't, have, if you got to go home and watch football, just go to the drive-thru. But what you do need is a flyer, though. And they're back there on the table. So make sure you grab one of those flyers so they know uh, that you're with our group. And they'll make sure that the 25% goes towards Harvest Fest. All right? Let's go ahead and close out in prayer. And then we will speak some words of faith over Barstow. And we will let you be on your way today. Amen. Let's raise our hands together. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for who you are and all that you've done in our lives already. But, Lord, we know that, that you are speaking to us today through your word. And I pray that any of us that, that you were dealing with us on some things, Lord, that we would submit, we would surrender, and we would say no to the wrong things and yes to the right things. Lord, we ask that you would use us this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go. Use us to preach the gospel all over the high desert and anywhere else that we may be. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for all that you are. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen today? All right, amen. Who wants to speak some faith over Barstow for us today? Come on, we got some bold people. Who's going to be my person? All right, Thomas, come on up. All right, let's hear it for Thomas. boy loves Jesus and he, amen, he's going to be a preacher someday, aren't you? Uh, he's already preaching. Yeah, I know this guy. All right, go ahead. Let's bring Lord's tithes on. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is saved. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is come the glory of God. Barstow is come to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. See you tonight.